Chapter 2. Cheryl. By the time December rolled around, every tear that needed to be shed had rolled from reddened eyes to the floor. With the final drop, a semblance of normalcy came upon them, and the joy of the upcoming Christmas season slowly warmed them. The Mahoys loved Christmas more than any other time of the year. With so many kids in the house, a sense of breathless wonder hung in the air like crystalline snow on a winter's eve, sparkling like diamonds in the moonlight. Christmas was Laura's season of joy, and her happiness blanketed the entire family like a warm comforter. For her, Christmas was secret, meant secret plans and special gifts, surprises, decorations, and fun. It meant remembering old friends, Christmas cards from far away, and new friends unexpectedly made. It meant walking through crunching snow with frozen toes to sing carols at friends' doors. It meant shopping for hours for that special gift, wrapping it just so, and thrilling inwardly for days at the joy the receiver might feel when it was finally opened. Jim Mahoy's favorite part of the season was watching Laura. He never loved her more than when she was alight with the Christmas spirit. At times he felt his heart would burst from sheer love. It seemed as if she were superhuman, inexhaustible and angelic, all packaged in a soft womanly bundle. For Jim, Christmas was the was the Christ child born in a manger, and it was Laura. He cared but little for gifts, bright paper and ribbons, Christmas trees and ornaments. The thousand feet of outdoor lights he hung each year were hung for Laura. He didn't care about caroling and the like, but he would have wrapped the entire world in strings of Christmas lights just to see his precious wife laugh and clap with joy, like a four-year-old when he plugged them in each year. It was as if she had never seen them before, and her happiness was so pure it was spiritual. Emily's favorite part of Christmas was cooking. She loved to bake, and Christmas was a blank check to cook anything she could conceive. And cook she did. Cookies, cakes, pies, candies, pastries, gingerbread houses, and much more. Some of her creations were too beautiful to eat. For weeks, the air was filled with carefully orchestrated symphony of sweet spices. The aromas wove a tapestry of Christmas more beautifully than any masterpiece on canvas, and she loved every moment she spent weaving it. Emily also cherished another part of Christmas. She had never told a soul, and probably never would, but she loved watching her papa watch her mama. Deep inside, she understood his passion and everything feminine within her, thrilled that a man could love a woman so. Every Christmas, she renewed her vow that she would ha also have such a love. For Sam, the best part of Christmas was the tree. Each year, he would hunt for the perfect evergreen, and when he found it, he would bring it home. It would... First spend a few days in the barn, then in the garage, and then in the back room gradually, to gradually warm up. It took Sam more than a week to get the tree into the house, but with Sam in charge, it had to be done just so. Finally, the tree would stand unadorned before a big living room window, carefully watered, until its branches relaxed enough to suit him. In the meantime, he planned how to decorate it. One year, he flocked it white with sm small red lights, big red bows, and candy canes. Another year it was blue lights, white origami birds, and silver garland. This year it was going to be multicolored lights, large calico bows, strings of red popcorn garland, and a large angel in calico overalls on top. He didn't even try to explain the angel, and no one asked. One does not question the matter, the master, and when it came to the tree, he was in charge. For Angela and Beth, the twins, Christmas meant snow. Snow to play in, build forts in, and sled on. Soft snow, hard snow, powdery or wet, it didn't matter. The only way to ruin Christmas for them was for it to be snowless. If there was snow outside, they were outside. 
It seemed as if the only time they came in was to get warm enough to go back out. For the first time ever, five-year-old Rachel was melancholy during this holiday season. No one understood why, least of all Rachel, but it seemed as if all she could do was to gaze out the window or at the tree hour after hour. It was so unlike her that Laura worried about her and tried to draw her into the festivities, but Rachel resisted gently, and wisdom seemed to dictate to Laura to let her find her own solace. It was a perfect Christmas Eve. Fresh snow was falling, so Angela and Beth were breathless with anticipation. All the presents were carefully wrapped and hidden. Cookies and cakes covered every flat surface, and a quiet calm had fallen over the house. In the background, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir quietly sang away in a manger. The entire family had gathered near the tree, now perfectly resplendent in its calico bows and red popcorn stringers, to hear their father read the account of Christ's birth from the Gospel of St. Luke. They had scarcely begun when the phone rang. It was nearly 10 p.m. and unexpected. Laura hurried to answer it, expecting a late holiday greeting from family far away. After a moment, she handed the phone to Emily, a look of concern on her face. Emily took it in Jim's small office, and after a while, she came back to where the family sat, waiting to resume their Christmas Eve devotional. Mama, Papa, that was Cheryl. You know Cheryl Contello, the inactive girl. Well, she needs a place to stay just for tonight. I guess her dad threw her out of the house. She says she'll call her married sister in the morning and work out something with her. Jim and Laura exchanged glances, nodded, and in a way that completely mystified the younger kids and thrilled Emily, they made a decision without a single word being spoken. Of course you can spend the night, honey, Laura told her. You and I will go get her. It's too stormy for you to drive alone tonight. Call her back and tell her we'll be there in about a half an hour. Emily shook her head. Mama, Cheryl is at the gas station payphone. The station is closed. She walked there without a coat and she was crying. She's really cold and afraid. Can we go get her right away? Laura quickly dialed elderly sister france's number who lived next to the gas station sister france was out was on her way out the door to get cheryl almost before hanging up the phone come on emily we'll go pick her up at sister Frances's home it will take it will still take us about 20 minutes to get there we'll have to drive slowly in the stove but she'll be safe until then after they departed jim gathered the family around him you all heard what is happening. This means Cheryl doesn't have any Christmas. The stores are closed by now. Let's come up with some ideas for a Christmas for Cheryl. How old is she, Dad? Sam asked. He couldn't remember her too well. She's Emily's age and about the same size, I'd say. Any ideas? Daddy, you got each of us a couple things, right? Beth asked contempl <laughs> contemplatively. Jim nodded. Well, you and Santa know what they are, she added with a click quick glance at Rachel. Would any of them be good for Cheryl? I mean, she can have one of mine. Yeah, mine too, Angela agreed. Beth nodded enthusiastically and added, and we can hang another stocking and share our candy. I wanted a teddy bear. If you, I mean, Santa was going to give me one, I want Cheryl to have it. Five-year-old Rachel voluntarily uh, volunteered happily with an I already know about Santa glance at Beth. It was the first time in days that she had risen above her melancholy. I don't know what to give her, seven-year-old Benjamin said. I doubt if any of my gifts would work for her. I'm just a kid and she's a grown-up, he added, which brought a chuckle from the older family members. He was so busy thinking that he didn't notice. Finally, his face brightened. He ran from the room and returned holding Jimmy's kitten in his arms. It lay there listlessly. You know how Kitty hasn't been playful since, well, you know, since Jimmy left. 
We thought she was sick, but she isn't. I think she needs to be loved again by someone special. Well, I think Cheryl needs to be loved again, too. Maybe they need each other. Maybe this is their Christmas to find a new family for the both of them. Jim was touched by his son's compassion. I think that's a wonderful idea. Why don't you make her a gift box with holes in it and a soft bed inside? You'll all have to come up with... You all have come up with wonderful ideas. Only Sam had not come up with a gift. It was hard for him to imagine what Cheryl needed or wanted, especially among the things he possessed. Finally, his face brightened, and he knew what to do. I have an idea, he said, and he walked away to work on it. Cheryl was the last one to walk through the front door. She was taller than Emily by almost an inch and was a pretty girl, was as pretty a girl as Sam had ever seen. He wondered why he hadn't seen her at school. Her hair was almost the color Jimmy's had been, dark red, almost chestnut. She was clutching a paper shopping bag to her chest. It contained everything she possessed. Her eyes were red and frightened, and she looked at the floor as if wishing she could sink into it and disappear. Emily and Mom hustled her upstairs and drew her a hot bath. They found her a nightgown and, without another word, tucked her into the spare bed in Emily's room. Christmas morning was the most magical morning of the year. Jim and Sam left the house at 4 a.m. to milk the cows. When they arrived home, the festivities would begin. They returned around 6, and the entire family gathered around the tree. Jim and Laura studied the family with wondering eyes, wanting to hold on to this moment in their memories. Jim snapped a few pictures and handed the camera to Laura since she was better photographer. A family tradition demanded that Papa hand out the presents. Where's Cheryl? Jim asked. Emily gave him a sideways look. Still in bed. Well, go get her. It's Christmas morning. I already told her, but she doesn't want to interfere with our Christmas. Our Christmas? It's hers, too. We'll go tell her we aren't starting without her. Yeah, and tell her to hurry, too, Rachel added enthusiastically. Finally, Cheryl came downstairs, wrapped in Emily's thick blue bathrobe. She smiled weakly and took a seat on the couch and far from the tree as she could get and still be in the same room. She folded her arms across her chest and lowered her hand in her long, red hair hid her face. Let's see, Jim said. The first one here is for Rachel. Rachel laughed happily and hopped up to grab her gift. Without returning to her seat, she ripped off the wrapping paper. It was a doll with long blonde hair just like hers. Everyone was appropriately impressed as she hugged the doll to her chest and rocked back and forth. Mama flashed a picture of her. The next one was for Benjamin, who received a baseball glove. They continued from youngest to eldest until each had a gift. Angela received slippers with bunny rabbit faces on the toes, and Beth got a pair of fluffy mittens. Sam got a harmonica, which he immediately began to play as if he had had it for years. Emily received the new blouse that she had been hoping for. Well, look, this one says, To Cheryl, from Santa. Cheryl looked up for the first time, a look of disbelief on her face, tears beginning to form in her eyes. She honestly believed that they were mocking her and wanted to run away, but no one was laughing, and Jim really was holding out a Christmas gift to her. Slowly, with wonder in his eyes, with wonder in her eyes, she stood and walked to where she could take it. There must be some mistake. I didn't open it, honey, Laura urged. She slowly undid the ribbon and removed the paper with great care. A small blue teddy bear was inside. She took it and pressed it to her cheek. From where Sam sat, he could see a tear trickling down her cheek. Suddenly, all the rest of the presents were forgotten. Someone pressed another box into Cheryl's hands. It contained a pair of bunny slippers exactly like Angela's. Another box held mittens exactly like Beth's. Another bigger box contained a winter coat with a faux fur collar exactly her and Emily's size. 
Sam shoved his gift into her hands. She looked at him with a shocked expression and then at the box. She carefully unwrapped it and removed the Christmas tree angel wearing calico overalls. She cried and then laughed. It's true, she said. Angels do sometimes wear coveralls. I just never realized it before. She gave Sam a meaningful smile, and he blushed. Benjamin handed her the box he had unwrapped. This one is moving, she exclaimed gleefully. She carefully opened it and lifted out the yellow and white kitten. As soon as she touched the small animal, it began to purr in a loud, contented way. See, Daddy, see? It loves her, Benjamin exclaimed happily. Cheryl didn't know, but everyone else knew that the kitten hadn't purred since Jimmy died five months earlier. Cheryl just stood there, holding her gifts, pressing the kitten to her cheek, her eyes aglow with wonder and happiness. You guys, how did you... Santa did it, Rachel declared. Baby Jesus did it, Benjamin corrected, and everyone laughed. Hey, here's a gift for Mommy, Jim said, handing his wife a shiny box. Cheryl knelt down among her gifts and new friends and laughed happily as they finished their Christmas giving. Every so often, her voice would grow quiet and she would have to wipe away tears before she could laugh again. When it was all over, the room looked like an aftermath of a cheerful tornado. Everyone carried their treasures to their room, but Cheryl continued to sit amongst the bright Christmas clutter, stroking her kitten, rocking gently from side to side, and humming softly to herself. It was a time of sweetness for her, and everyone sensed it was also a time of healing. Later that evening, they knelt for family prayer. Cheryl knelt next to Emily. Her eyes were bright and happy, and she held her kitten in her arms, its kitty motor purring loudly. Before we pray, can I say something? Cheryl asked timidly. Jim nodded and smiled. This has been the happiest day of my life. Since my mother died when I was seven, we haven't had a Christmas. I've hated Christmas all these years. I think I hated it so I wouldn't have to be sad at not having it. I didn't realize until this morning my dad kicked me out last night because I didn't have dinner fixed when he came home. He was drunk and he didn't realize it was almost ten o'clock. We had eaten without him hours earlier. He grabbed me by the hair and threw me out of out into the snow. He said I was a worthless bitch, even more worthless than my mother had been. I lay down in the snow and cried. I wanted to die. I wanted him to find my frozen body when he left the house the next day. I wanted him to know how he had made my life miserable all these years and how I hated him. He opened the door and threw a paper bag of my clothes at me. He didn't even care that I was lying in the snow without a coat. As I lay there shivering, a feeling of warmth came over me. I thought about my mother and I knew she wouldn't want me to die this way. I got up and I stumbled a couple of blocks to the gas station. It was closed. I had forgotten it was Christmas Eve. I just stood there shivering, thinking about dying, until this warm feeling came over me, and I thought about Emily. I knew she was warm, safe, and loved. I thought if I could just spend one night being loved like Emily. She stopped. Her voice wouldn't go on. She wiped tears away with the back of her hand and smiled sadly. I thought if I could just spend one day being like Emily, then I would be happy to die. I wasn't going to let my father cheat me out of that one day, so I called Emily. I called because I hoped that somehow I could experience love, even for one day. There was a long pause. I know you don't love me like one of your own, like you do Emily, but I have seen the love you have for each other, and you have shared more love with me than I thought existed in the entire world. I got my wish. I got my day of love. I'll go to my sister's house tomorrow or the next day, but I wanted you all to know how special you made me feel. I've never felt so loved. I just wanted to thank you. That's all, I guess. When Jim finally spoke, his voice was husky with emotion. You were only wrong about one thing, Cheryl. We do love you like one of our own. 
A chorus of agreement filled the room. The twins rushed over to hug her, and everyone joined in. For a few moments, she was surrounded by love more powerful than she thought possible. It was more than her fragile soul could stand, and she wept openly for joy. These were not just words. This was love, pure and unfeigned. It warmed her through and through, and the icy pain deep within her began to melt away. Several days later, they all gathered for family home evening. It was Angela's turn to give the lesson, and naturally Beth did exactly half of it. Cheryl was still there. She had not been able to reach her sister by phone and had written a letter instead. It would be a few days more before she left. No one was in a hurry for her to leave, especially Cheryl. Tonight's lesson is on what is good, Angela said in her best Sunday school teacher voice. Who can tell me what is good? Love is good, Cheryl said and blushed. It was one of those comments that opens a window into another's heart. I think Christmas is good, Rachel said in her enthusiastic way. I especially like the part about giving Cheryl presents she didn't expect. Everyone agreed, and again Cheryl blushed. Angela cleared her throat importantly. The room fell silent again. How can you tell if something is good? It makes you feel good inside, Laura answered, a thing she had discovered for herself. It makes me want to thank Heavenly Father, Jim added. He always felt like praying when something good came his way. Even something as ordinary as a beautiful sunrise or a bird's song after a summer rain. Daddy, would you please read Moroni 7, verses 12 and 13? Jim waited until everyone found the scripture, then he closed his eyes and quoted it from memory. Wherefore, all things which are good cometh of God, and that which is evil cometh of the devil. For the devil is an enemy unto God, and fighteth against him continually, and inviteth and enticeth to sin, and to do that which is evil continually. But behold, that which is of God inviteth and enticeth to do good continually. Wherefore, everything which inviteth and enticeth to do good, and to love God, and to serve him, is inspired of God. Moroni 7, 12-13 So, Angela continued, If something makes us feel like doing good, then that thing came from God. Does that also mean that if something ends up being good, that the things that made it happen were good too? Is that right, Daddy? I think that's generally too true, especially if it felt good inside. But what if you didn't feel good inside, like you were sad all the time, but later it turned out good? Beth wanted to know. Then I suppose that you could say Heavenly Father made good come of it, Jim replied. After a silent, twin-like signal, Beth took over the lesson. Okay, she said, drawing a deep breath as if preparing herself. Here is what the lesson is about. We think it is the best Christmas we've ever had, and we think it's because Cheryl was with us. Daddy, do you think it was good? I mean, like, Heavenly Father wanted Cheryl to spend Christmas with us? Very much so, Jim said, smiling. Okay, then. Do you remember when she said that she got this warm feeling at the gas station that made her want to call Emily? Do you think that was Heavenly Father, too? Instead of answering, Jim asked, What do you think, Cheryl? Cheryl nervously looked around the room and cleared her throat. A calm feeling came over her, and she smiled. I was thinking about that this morning. It's funny that Breath brought it up. I do think that the warm feeling in my thoughts about Emily came from the spirit. The other thoughts I was having were that I wanted to die. See, that's what I mean, Angela took over as if it was all in the script. Beth looked at her sister with the expression of perfect harmony. On the one hand, she had had this bad feeling that told her to lie down in the snow and die. But then she also had a warm feeling that told her where to find love. I think that's what Moroni was trying to tell us in the scripture. Things that tell us to do bad come from the devil, and everything that tells us to do good comes from God. 
That's really neat, Cheryl volunteered with a wonder in her voice. I hadn't realized that. I was actually in a battle for my life and was receiving real revelation from Heavenly Father on how to win. I, I didn't even realize. She fell silent for a moment. I didn't realize how much Heavenly Father loves me. I had no idea. I thought I was nobody, a total write-off. I thought God only loved the prophets and Emily. This brought a collective smile from the Mahoys, but Cheryl was serious. Boy, she continued, her voice almost too quiet to hear. This really is turning out to be an amazing Christmas. It seems as if I'm suddenly surrounded by love. There's one more part to our lesson, Beth added, without missing a beat. We think that since Heavenly Father sent Cheryl to us, she should not be in such a hurry to leave. If Heavenly Father wanted her here, maybe she should find out if Heavenly Father wants her to stay here. Like, for a long time. I mean, if that's alright with Mommy and Daddy. Oh yes, Cheryl, Laura interjected enthusiastically. I was thinking just this morning how sad it will be when you leave. I think Beth and Angela... Angela and Beth, Angela corrected. She was born first, Mama. You know the ABCs. Angela and then Beth. Beth added teasingly. Angela and Beth have given us an inspired family home evening lesson, Laura said with a smile and turned to her husband. I hope you'll consider their words, Jim. All eyes except Cheryl turned on Jim as he searched for the right words. This was unexpected, yet it had the feeling of truth to him. Cheryl, he said, as her big brown eyes finally turned to look at him, you are family now. Whether you leave tomorrow or stay here for the rest of your life... Always remember that you have a home here and that you'll always be loved. A tear rolled down Cheryl's cheek. After a moment, Jim slid to his knees and everyone followed. As he looked around the room, waiting for the spirit to whisper who should pray, his eyes fell upon Cheryl. Her face was bright with the light of Christ. Cheryl, would you pray tonight? Her head snapped up. She was startled, and for a moment she thought she looked as if she might say no. Instead, she bowed her head and and waited for and they waited for her to begin dear heavenly father i think you are the most wonderful heavenly father in the whole wide world you treated me so nice to let me have christmas with, with my new family i didn't know you loved me it surprised me to know that you did and that you too god forgive me for not knowing sooner god bless mama laura god bless papa jim god bless emily and sam angela and beth and benjamin and rachel and please tell Jimmy we all love him. God bless Kitty and the angel in coveralls. God bless Jesus. Amen. No one moved for a full minute. I don't think I did so good, Cheryl said timidly. I've never prayed out loud before, actually, or to myself either. It was the most beautiful prayer I've ever heard, Sam said quietly, mostly to himself. A chorus of happy hugs assured her that everyone present agreed.